0: If you can't win him, you might as well sin him. It's Sin the Fields.
1: A long
0: December, and there's reason to believe.
2: Hello and welcome to this New Year's edition of Sin the Fields. I'm Tad Whistle. I'm Patrick Stegamiller. Pat, it's been an exciting year, full of ups and downs, twists and turns, and we were along for the ride. And this show is gonna commemorate that.
3: What a year, 2015. It's a year that sounds like the future. You told me back in 96, 97, we'd be living in a world with crazy smartphones and those weird, uh, you know, like, sort of hoverboards, sort of not water jet things that you see rich billionaires do on Instagram. I'd tell you, you were probably accurate. That seems like a reasonable advance in technology. So before we turn the page to 2016, there's one more thing we have to do here. The only thing that really completes a year... to arbitrarily go back and rank a bunch of shit so that people have something to complain about as we head into the beautiful new
2: horizon. And rank shit we will. All right, we will be awarding the busties. We will be giving out the STF gender-neutral golden bust. Hashtag Jequity Pat.
3: We're busting all over 2015 here. Some of our awards coming up on the pod. We've got best moment of hashtag legitimacy. Player of the Year, all sorts to come, including the main event, the single best moment of 2015.
2: To help us along with finding that best moment, you're going to hear some of the voices of Altie World writers and contributors that are going to give their nominees for what they think is the best moment until we announce the winner at the very end of the show. Also, we're going to be talking to Corey Smith. Uh, Corey is the guy you might have seen on Ulti World who made the sculpture about Ultimate. It's a little bit abstract. We're going to have him on the program to kind of break down his work so you can see it through the artistic prism.
3: Hopefully, he'll be able to explain each and every feeling I get in each and every part of my body when I look at that fine piece of sculpture. A lot of pressure on our shoulders. Hope we can handle it. And I think a way to help us with that and to kick off the celebrations... A little something to get us started here. Gentlemen, start your engines. Oh, There we go! A little bubbly. All the good boys and girls, stick around, it's in the field.
4: Charlie Eisenhood here. The biggest story of 2015 was the rules, or the lack thereof. Just think about how many of the biggest stories this year had to do with rules. Cincinnati dropped out of a tournament at the last minute to preserve a Nationals bid for the Ohio Valley. They earned that bid at regionals to the chagrin of many, but the team didn't care. It was them against the world. What they did wasn't against the rules, but it will be this year. USA Ultimate changed their policy regarding withdrawal from a tournament. A still undisclosed player on Tulane broke the college eligibility rules and then doctored the team's documentation to make it look like he hadn't. USA Ultimate found out, disqualified Tulane after they had earned a bid to Nationals, and sent Auburn in their place. USAU even clarified the college guidelines to ensure a more by-the-book outcome in the future. Many club division players broke the explicit language rules being enforced by observers at Nationals, with wide-ranging intangible effects on the outcomes of games due to yardage penalties at crucial moments. Backlash was swift, and USAU is still considering the enforcement of such penalties at future tournaments. The format rules at Club Nationals have changed for good after a bizarre day of pool play where teams intentionally sat starters and some players didn't even show up to the tournament until the first day of elimination play. Finally, discussion continues about the rules modifications being used and tested in the semi-pro leagues, including wider fields, full-on referees, different substitution options, and timed games. Could some of those changes end up being adopted to the club or college levels of the game? Perhaps 2016 will bring some clarity.
2: Welcome back to Sin the Fields. Joining us now from the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee is Corey Smith. Corey had a piece of artwork featured on Alti World recently. Corey, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Your sculpture is it's a little bit abstract. It is about ultimate. Can you kind of tie the two together?
0: Yeah. Well, so part of the the challenge, I guess, over and you know, both living a college and ultimate lifestyle uh, can. Don't necessarily always go together, and my priorities might have gotten mixed up. So, uh, really figuring out how to combine the two, both in artwork and in life, um, took some time. But really, the the work itself uh, translates these the motion of throwing a frisbee. Um, so taking it some uh, ink with a brush, and then really just making that the throwing motion. That I mean, I'm sure um, all your listeners are fairly well experienced in that practice, and so it's, it's almost become second nature. That had been a part of the work for a while, and it was never really reaching its potential or sort of communicating uh, anything beyond this really beautiful mark. And that's when, uh, for my BFA show, was able to come up with this idea of making into a sculpture, hopefully capturing that sort of uh, you know, flow state or without getting too cliche, that kind of in-the-zone sort of chaos of, of the game uh, when you're competing.
3: Yeah, being able to combine focusing on school and ultimate at the same time into one effort, it's a really good idea. Uh, I think something that a lot of us wish we had had the foresight to do when we were in college. Um, So looking at it, it, one of the things that really strikes me about it, so you've you've got arrows on it sort of showing it's going off in different directions, all the motion is coming together in different ways. It's, it's It's a still sculpture, but it's clearly there's a vibrant energy to it. Can you talk about how... That sort of idea of motion and still image relates to the flow state and ultimate.
0: Well, uh, first off, uh, you really seem to have a sense of, of what it's all about, and uh, I mean, I got goosebumps hearing you say, you know, that there's so much motion while it is being that still. And I, I think for me, my most successful play comes from when I'm mentally at, at a fairly like still place. Uh, Certainly some of the sports psychology of meditation and and visualization um, come to mind as how I'm able to get my best performance sort of without having to force it. Uh, But then at the same time, you know, from this place of of, uh, stillness or or sort of a a clear mind, there is just so much incredible action. And you're interpreting and uh, processing, inputting and outputting so much information at once that, you know, if I were to ever stop and actually try to make conscious decisions, um, I've been predominantly <laughs> handling. And so I think a lot of it is sort of as you're seeing the, the field and your options, if you were to make, try to make those choices, it's overwhelming.
2: Corey, Picasso once said sex and art are the same thing. Where in the statue does the sex factor in? Uh,
0: I like to think that it's everywhere. Um, (laughs) sex can be uh pretty messy um certainly multi-directional there's uh, a lot of motion going on (laughs) and uh really i mean also sort of that whole explosion factor of of the artwork i think really gets at at the heart of that quote
2: do you only do uh sculpture as your medium or do you also do like paintings because i for one would love to see like the, you know, campsite at the three-day drinking tournament, just an epic wall-mounted oil painting of crushed cans and, like, passed out people, clothes everywhere. Is, is that possibly on the horizon? It could be your Guernica.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed with uh, your guys' uh, the art history background you're, you're bringing today. Um, I think that uh, myself, I'm not much of a painter, uh, but I was at first uh, in school as a printmaker. And then ran out of eligibility, so got to focus more on my artwork, and that's when I got drawn more to sculpture. Uh, But I have been toying around with making some prints about the experience of Ultimate, so I think we'll, uh, based on some of that feedback, could see some of those on the horizon. Uh, Both work that's about what's going on on the field, but certainly there's such a great culture to the sport and it hasn't really been tapped into, and I think a lot of people would love to have that portion hanging on the wall too.
2: Corey, if, if Salvador Dali played ultimate, what position would he play and why?
0: Yeah, well, he'd certainly be you know one of those uh, kind of like Greg Popovich, really, you know, Bill Belichick. He he's never really talks about what he's actually getting at. Um, but on the field, right. I mean, certainly – the, the creativity, I think he could really sort of play both anywhere and nowhere at the same time. One of those players that, <laughs> you know, it's just like not, not moving at all, and, and then suddenly is gets, you know, like this through the legs, no look type of scuba throw that, that makes, just raises off the ground, and, you know, it's one of those things like you can't even defend it, so...
3: One of those guys who all of a sudden he's just open on the front cone for a goal. No one knows how
2: he got there. Was he standing there the whole time? Impossible to tell.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Corey, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for being a good sport. Where can people find out more about you and
0: your artwork? Well, I just purchased a website, uh, CoreyMichaelSmith.com. It's C-O-R-E-Y, Michael Smith. That'll be coming up at the start of the new year. Otherwise, um, I'm on Twitter at, at Mr. Corey Smith, or my Instagram is Corey Michael Smith.
3: Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming by, Corey. We might have to commission an official piece for the podcast, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you about that off mic, but uh, thanks again so much for coming, and uh, you know, best of luck. Everyone, make sure you check out his website, and i uh, sure if you haven't seen it already, make sure you check out the sculpture that we put up on UltiWorld, because as we've covered, Inspiring and arousing in equal measure.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Keep up the great work.
2: There he was, Corey Smith. Pat, I think I learned a lot. I learned more about art in our six minutes with him than my whole life to this point. Absolutely.
3: All right, coming up, Ulti World's own Keith Donnie Raynor with another Best Moment nominee. Stick around, it's in the fields.
0: It's
4: hard to talk about 2015 without talking about Cincinnati men's ultimate. What at Get Biscuits, as their Twitter handle, uh, did this year was infamous enough to land them a rule named after them. So you know it must have been a big deal for those who don't recall. Dropped out of a tournament, Huck Finn, late in the college season in order to avoid potentially losing rankings points and thus hold on to a bid that they later finished claiming at regionals on the way to a nationals appearance now this is a highly controversial move and people weighed in on all sides but you can't talk about what happened in 2015 and leave out cincinnati's decision and all the gamesmanship conversation that followed
2: wkrp in cincinnati Welcome back to Sin the Fields. Pat, I think it's time we gave away our first busty, the STF Gender Neutral Golden Bust. And the first one is in the category of Best Slappery. So this is the best slappy moment in Ultimate. A
3: prestigious honor, and I think no category more befitting of the first ever bust being awarded. And the nominees are... UNC Darkside Towel Squad. Tad, I know this is a personal favorite of yours. Those uh, the bench warmers for Darkseid. Really more than the on field performance of the team of the starters, carrying them all the way to a national title.
2: The Tal Squad is just a brilliant idea. Uh, I don't know if Mike Denardis, Darkseid's head coach, is responsible for it, but he kept everyone involved in the game, even the guys that weren't getting a ton of time. It was a fan favorite, it was lighthearted, and it was also pretty slappy. Uh, oh,
3: absolutely.
2: Even in the Callahan ceremony when John Nethercutt won, some of his fellow nominees busted out UNC Tau towel Squad TOWS, which I thought was showed just how deep the Tows had gone into Nationals. Completely
3: ubiquitous by that point. The next nominee, the Bird Fruit Pumpkin from Club Nationals. Now, those of you watching at home might not have seen this, but anyone in attendance, particularly at the mixed semifinal between Seattle Mixtape and PBR, saw what was happening. Birdfruit, a team from Seattle, already eliminated at this point there to cheer on Seattle Mixed. They have this weird sort of maybe cultic totem might be the way to to describe it, where it was a pumpkin that they, I don't know if they had hollowed it out. They were drinking something out of it, but they had packed the sidelines with it, and uh, they were feeding it. Backwards through their legs, everyone bent over to the entire sideline, sort of at a 90-degree ankle, just funneling a pumpkin full of mysterious liquid uh, through their legs, people stopping to pick it up and drink out of it, as there's a national semifinal happening literally five feet away. Uh, That game in general was insane. I think we'll touch on that a little bit later. But the fact that there was a good hundred people on the sideline, all prancing, drinking, screaming about this team's uh, drinking goblet. Uh, really left an indelible impression on most people at the
2: game. Another great example of you just can't take the weird out of ultimate.
3: No matter how hard you try, unless they get rid of Mixed, and then, I mean, who knows, but, you know,
2: (laughs) stay weird, Mixed. Stay weird. And the busty goes to Florida United and Rhino for their XFL-style start to a game at Club Nationals. Fulcrum Pro posted a video on Twitter uh, right after it happened, but it kind of got lost in the wash of you know the tidal wave of news that is Club Nationals. This was a first-round game. Both teams were eliminated, not playing for a flight. It's the last day of Nationals. So Florida United and Rhino each started a player on their own goal line, and then like an observer put the Frisbee in the middle of the field and then gave the, like, Dome, And, like, dropped his hand. And then both players run out in, like, the scrum that they used to do in the XFL. They would scrum for first possession instead of flipping a coin, which, you know, is not what you're supposed to do at, like, any ultimate tournament, let alone at club nationals.
3: I think the important point here is this was observer-sanctioned. This was, <laughs> this was, this was, you know, we, we've been caught up in this observer versus ref debate, and how some people say there's no difference, some people say there's too big of a difference. I think this is uh, a, a key point in that discussion. And that an observer at Nationals said that you know, eh, let's
2: eschew flipping the disc, and let's you know, let's let the law of the jungle decide. <laughs> a little frontier justice. <laughs> It was awesome. You can see, uh, check out the video. You can find it. Fulcrum Pro probably still has it on their Twitter, but it's... we'll retweet it probably. Well, yeah, definitely check it out. Well deserving. Way to go, <laughs> United. Way to go, Rhino. Before we continue with our lesser busties, we'll kick it now to Altie World's own Simon Pollock, the East Coast to West Coast transient gypsy man that he is, and his nomination for Moment of the Year. For
5: me, and this is going to come as no surprise as the guy reporting on the Atlantic Coast last year, the best moment of the year was watching North Carolina's Ben Snell make a raucous comeback at regionals. His ACL had blown out at Eastern's in 2014, and that was just a half a tournament after he had matched Mickle in size and speed at Stanford. We saw Snell come out as a top defender, maybe the top defender in 2014, and not stop mickle in his tracks but limit him seriously nethercut and johnson may have created the highlights that year but no one could deny how important snow was to the team and he would have been just as important in nationals if not more so So it's a year later. He's had a long comeback road, and he's finally on the field at regionals close to 100%. He had played some at sectionals. He tried out for U23s, and maybe had come back a little bit too early to do that. So he just didn't play for the regular season. He was on the sideline coaching. And then we're out in Axton, and it's rainy, and it's cold. And he just comes out firing, he's clowning on people. Snell is leading the defense, he's pulling, he's coming up with a few ridiculous blocks and catches. He's just ferocious against Maryland on Sunday in semis. And then a game later, he helps engineer this complete dismantling of their rivals UNC Wilmington in the finals to win and upset the region. Remember, UNCW was super hot all through the regular season, and UNC had looked kind of lost and inconsistent. So Snell comes back. The team defense is so good, all of a sudden it's bananas. And, of course, they only get better in Milwaukee. It was a lot of fun to watch.
2: Welcome back to Soon the Fields.
3: All right, and the next busty is for the best of hashtag legitimacy, the moment that gave us the most hashtag pride in our hashtag sport this year the nominees are ioc recognition brody and kurt on the amazing race and that one twitter story where a detroit mechanics player used his status as a practice squad player to try to pick up a lovely lady and the winner is ioc recognition
2: Come on up and get busted on, IOC. Pat, it's hard to believe that the tweet we received from Jeff Rathburn, at H-O-M-R-B-U-S-H, I'll read it here for you. Last night, I listened to someone use his status as a mechanics practice player to try and impress a chick. It's hard to believe that's not the hashtag legitimacy busty winner. That was a big story. I'd go so far as to say this could be
3: considered a major upset, given the history of the busties but the ioc recognition too much to turn down even for us who i believe in an earlier pod declared ultimate being in the olympics
2: as a bacchanal fuck fest <laughs> i mean it's look it's awesome ultimate the olympics would be great it'd be the greatest thing ever even if at least for the first 20 years of it being there It would be lumped in with bullshit sports like the duathlon, which I think is where you ski and shoot a gun, and curling, which I'm pretty sure you do better drunk.
3: I think that one of the reasons why this ends up taking the cake is that it's the next step towards an ultimate athlete getting an endorsement from a beer company. And there's nothing more hashtag legitimate than that, in my mind.
2: Surly... I know you guys are sponsored by that brewery. You guys are awesome, but we're talking about a macro here. We're talking about like Budweiser.
3: Yeah, we're talking something along the lines of, you know, Jimmy Mickle saying,
0: Kraken uh, to a Heineken." I,
3: <laughs> that's not the best impression. I, I you know, that's not uh, maybe. <laughs> hey,
6: hey cracking to a Heineken.
3: No, I can't. It's not quite. I don't have quite of the right timber, timbre there for it but you get you get the point um so yes so that is very important reason why IOC recognition getting the bust in
2: 2015. Our next busty category is player of the year big one and the nominees are well actually Pat we had no nominees we just decided to give it to Matt Bennett
0: there she is
2: Miss America you know Why
3: even tease someone else When it was so clearly Going to be Matty B Which is I don't think his real nickname but could be
2: I covered Texas A&M's pool At Nationals in 2014 And Matt Bennett Put on a show He played every point uh, Of like I think the first two games The first day He was the assist king of Nationals that year And I think last year too I mean the guy just throws goals And a&m is so exciting to watch because it's like college ultimate the way you want it to be like when nfl purists are like what happened to defense in the running game two yards and a cloud of dust similarly not the same obviously but when i think of college ultimate in all its glory and the way i like to see it played i think of a team with a short bench and a guy with an elite skill set out there making plays
3: it was sort of the same way that Brett Favre almost made you feel like you could play in the NFL because it seemed like he was just stepping out there and chucking up a bunch of dead duck nonsense that all seemed to work out. Matt Bennett made everyone feel like they could be an elite college ultimate player. Because it's just like you when you were playing at your bullshit college team, not you specifically, Tad, well actually maybe a little bit. <laughs> where playing basically every point. You don't have the legs to cover their best guys, so you just put your son of you know you put your most athletic freshman on them and hope that works out you're throwing guys open you're sort of you're pointing you're calling your shots and he was doing that at an elite level he was living the dream for all of us out there that never got the chance to prove that a way to have success on the elite level is uh, no look lefty scoobards. so for that Matt I thank you you kept the dream alive for all of us
2: there's also a really cool interview with Matt Bennett uh transcribed on the throw OD blog give that a look it's pretty cool it's about throwing and stuff but his throws will be missed next year in the college game. And That's the thing.
3: I mean, the Callahan went to Nethercutt, obviously. Ulti-World Player of the Year for college goes to LaRock. But in our hearts, I think Matt Bennett is going to be the guy we look back on. He's proved that the man with a golden scuba can have his day in the sun. A man with the trigger finger so quick conceivably called the quickest gun in the West. I don't think anyone ever did that, missed opportunity, probably should have done that when he's still playing but you know post facto (laughs) he can work it back in so you know i think for that reason we have to give him our player of the year
2: all right pat our next category is game of the year now i'm sure we're gonna miss on this and piss a bunch of people off so feel free to berate us on twitter at Sin the fields and the nominees are pittsburgh and wilmington at easterns sockeye and madison club at nationals in the quarterfinals And Polar Bears versus Seattle Mixed in the national semifinal.
3: Just a great slate across the board. A lot of good games this year, but I think each one of these stood out for an important reason.
2: But the winner is... Polar Bears against Seattle Mixed in the national semifinal. Wow. Shocking.
3: To anyone who wasn't there. But I'll tell you, as someone who was, this is one of the finest spectacles not just on the ultimate field. I'm talking circuses, presidential debates, anything, you name it, that I've seen in 2015. It was an incredible game. Huge comeback by Seattle Mixed. And again, a national semifinal. Maybe the livest crowd of the weekend. I know in 2014, the crowd for that ring game was pretty amazing. But I think this year, the award for best crowd has to go to that Seattle PBR game. The stadium game's... Not quite as lively as they were a year ago. But, Tad, you and I were both on the sideline for this Seattle PBR game. And we already touched on bird fruit and their pumpkin, which contributed to it. But that doesn't paint the whole picture. Because, again, UltiWorld is filming this game. We've got basically everyone who's already been eliminated, you know, topless, walking by, not even pretending to cover up their alcohol. USA Ultimate, you know, it's the other mixed semi. USA Ultimate's just looking at the stadium. The Cats away, the mice will play, and they sure did. And then the on-field product was incredible, where it basically came down to Khalif El-Salam making four of the five best plays of the year. And you can go back and check out the footage on ultiworld. It was incredible that they decided, you know what? Season on the line. Big moment. We're just going to put it deep to our best player and hope that works out. Usually it doesn't. This
2: time, it did. I had to leave early to go cover the Ironside-Sockeye uh, men's semifinal, and there was no one in the stadium because everyone was watching that game. And then when the game ended and of course Seattle mixed one just a rush of drunk people came over to heckle people were loaded keep in mind I say this you know I've said this the last 2 years as soon as people get eliminated at nationals they start drinking like they've never drank before
3: they've been living these Spartan lifestyles for months and that all comes crashing down around them when their team loses to some you know clearly better opponent and they get crushed 15-6 in pre-quarters all their hard work was for naught trying to drink away the existential terror.
2: I think for the atmosphere, it was old school, a great comeback, big players making plays. There were other great games too, Seattle Sockeye and Madison Club uh, in a 17-16 barn burner with Sockeye having to hold going upwind against a very athletic, good Madison Club team, had to throw 100 throws to do it. But for that classic feel, that keeping ultimate weird factor, got to go with this game pbr and seattle mix
3: all right well we're gonna throw it to break real quick here is ulti World Zone scott dolan with another best moment nominee stick around we will unveil best moment at the end of the show this is in the field
7: I'm Scott Dolan, and the best moment of the year was Jimmy Mickle dropping an F-bomb against Machine in pre-quarters. Okay, so maybe best isn't the adjective I'm looking for, but important, impactful, I don't know. Semantics aside, when it happened, I was standing on Machine's sideline looking down at my notebook, and all of a sudden, everything got quiet. I'll be honest, I had no idea what was happening on the field, and neither did really anybody. I asked a few guys, and we all came to the conclusion that Maddie Farrell said something stupid. We were only able to figure out what went down hours later when we heard from Jimmy and saw Luke Johnson's heavily audio-enhanced video. Jimmy apparently got dinged for saying, this is for our fucking lives now to his teammates on the line.
6: Hey, keep fucking lives here, let's go. It, right?
7: <laughs> <laughs> to his teammates, only. I don't think there were more than three people in the world who thought that Jimmy should have been given the tech. But the worst part was, under the current rules, he probably should have gotten it. I mean, the Observer was well within his authority to give him that. Apparently, USAU was even encouraging observers to give those types of penalties. That incident, combined with all the other language penalties that built up over the years, and the choice of Rockford for next year's Nationals, and the awful Nationals (laughs) format, and the ESPN camera angles, I mean, it really made you feel like people were not happy. For me, that's why this moment was big, not only for the absurdity of Jimmy Mickle getting this tech, but also for the fact that it capped off the extreme displeasure players and fans were feeling towards USAU. People got pissed off, and USAU got the message. They've already made tweaks to their format, and I'd be shocked if we didn't see more over the coming year. Unfortunately, it just took poor Jimmy Mickle getting a season-ending language technical to stir up the proper amount of outrage. Send the Fields!
2: Welcome back to Sin the Fields. This is our Busties show, our end-of-the-year awards. We've been sprinkling in nominees for best moment of the year.
3: I've drank half a bottle of champagne.
2: <laughs> Pat is actually drinking champagne right now, by the way.
3: Happy New Year, everybody.
2: Really quickly to tie up some loose ends, please always support our sponsors, Andy Alm Custom Knives. Find them on Facebook. He makes knives out of railroad spikes, so you don't have to. Make sure you check him out, Andy Ulm, Alm, A L M, Custom Knives on Facebook.
3: I don't know how to make knives out of not railroad spikes, let alone railroad spikes.
2: Earlier this year, we talked about the Muffin Men name change. The Muffin Men, they're a mixed team in Pittsburgh muff m-u-f-f like a chick's bush and men which actually is a genius co-ed name it's very good it's got one of those i think the french call it a double intender.
3: no no chicken tenders is what you is what you meant you're right
2: that you're right that's yes that's it but usa ultimate they're anti-muff and you can take that to mean whatever you want it to mean and they were of course forced to change their name the Muffin Men, for better or worse, and let's be honest, better, sort of, at least for us, uh, they put out a poll. You know, like, What should our team name be? And they had a bunch of options, some normal ones, some you know Pittsburgh-centric ones like Alloy and Pittsburgh Mix, which is kind of a dick dart about getting your name changed, a la Seattle Mixed. But then they also had a write-in field where you could write anything in. And, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I managed to get the list uh, of write-in candidates from Muffin Man Leadership. Guys, shout out. Thank you. Huge.
3: I'd like to point out I have not heard these. This is is a live reaction here. Anyone who thinks I would put in enough research to do that is sadly mistaken. Tad, take it away. All right. Well, AMP. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone outside of the mid-Atlantic might not get why that's funny. But just know it's because you live in a better place.
2: (laughs) You're not wrong, Pat. Whiskey Rebels received two votes. This one is the sharp, pointed, sort of niche dick dart. When the Pittsburgh Thunderbirds first came to town, they put out like this. They had a similar sheet that was like, what should our name be? And they had a bunch of options on there. And one of them was Whiskey Rebels, which actually got the most votes. But then I guess the AUDL was like, we're not... You can't be like the whiskey anything, which is great because the potential <laughs> the potential for people being blackout drunk on whiskey and like, you know, maybe getting their stomach pumped at a game was high if they had kept that name. So good way to change I say
3: inevitable might oh. be another way to
2: Yeah. I can think of like ten people in Pittsburgh that would that would no longer be with us right now if that were the case. In second place, Bush and Tush. <laughs> wait so it's wait wait okay
3: all right got it yeah i got it
2: yeah so it's a more yeah a little more literal and then finally with six total votes as a write-in candidate the washington redskins
3: (laughs) (laughs) oh man how good would it be it'd be good that would be like Andy Kaufman level just complete genius. Also, can you imagine the NFL somehow hearing about that? There's just there's some weird it's like this non it's like half a sport. I don't I d I don't know what's happening, but there's like trademark infringe I who knows. We Yeah.
2: See that and that's what's crazy is I think that USA Ultimate would be like, guys, that's fucked up, that's racist. You can't be that. What are you out of your minds? Meanwhile, the Redskins is still an NFL team. Well, muffin men, guys, do the right thing, and please, fucking name your team the Washington Redskins. That would just be,
3: be the change you want to see in the world. <sighs> muffin men. We're
2: gonna hear one more nominee now before we wrap up the show and announce our moment of the year. Here's World's own Katie Reynolds.
6: So many good things came out of the All-Star Tour this year, and I think that was the best thing that happened in 2015, but if I had to pick one moment that was the best moment of 2015, it was when the All-Star Tour obliterated their fundraising goal in six days. I remember when Sheena first announced the All-Star Tour, it sounded awesome, but it also sounded like a pipe dream, like how could we raise that much money from our community in like two weeks to make this thing happen? And then we did it. We just fucking did it. We killed it. Teams and players from around the country and probably around the world stood up and advocated and supported one another and said, donate, support this movement, support what's happening. And it happened quickly and powerfully. And I think by the end, there was over $46,000 raised from almost 600 backers. And to me, I think that moment. Really, we sent a message as an ultimate community. We're growing, we're changing. We don't know what the future is going to be, but we support Women's Ultimate. We want to see it happen, and we want to see it happen at the highest levels. And I think that really made the difference in 2015. That was the best moment.
2: Okay, finally, the moment you've all been so patiently waiting for. It's the busty for the best moment in Ultimate. Pat, is there anything that you you think you can say to prepare people for this
3: this award is like best picture wrapped up with the presidential winner wrapped up with you know that one time that you had a funny tweet that that girl you're sort of into retweeted turns out it was a mistake afterwards she deleted the retweet but you saw it (laughs) you saw it for that like five seconds it's like that level of importance here um and i just want to say you know so many Great moments, some amazing nominees, but only one of them can win. Well, I mean, actually, none of them can win, because here to announce the winner for best moment is Ulti World's own Preston Thompson. Let's kick it to him right now to announce the winner.
1: So in the quarterfinals of men's college nationals, UCF is taking on Pitt, Pitt looking to get another national title and very heavily favored in this game, but Roca gets his guys out on a mental toughness edge, and one of the ways he does this is he kind of intimidates the Pittsburgh team during warm-ups by going over and taking notes on a big yellow legal pad type notebook, probably saying, you know, so-and-so can't throw very far, etc. When the game starts, UCF has a huge mental edge. They roll off multiple breaks in a row and, and stunned pittsburgh trying to get back to the finals the next day roca approaches our ulti world tent after ucf had been eliminated from the finals and he comes up to me because i was reporting on that game i tell him how much i enjoyed watching his guys just you know be a physical presence against such a good team and he says well did you see me taking notes at the beginning of the game and of course i said yes that was a crazy sort of Bill Belichick power move you pulled there, and he pulls out the notebook, and what it is is it's just big drawings of dicks.
2: That's right. It was a college coach drawing dicks on a piece of paper. I just... magical.
3: Just... I mean, so much of that is a perfect moment. You have Pitt, once one of the pinnacle programs in Ultimate, so fastidious, so serious about their craft. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got a team just living in the moment and a coach embodying that. Really, the collision of those two things is part of what makes Ultimate so great. You've got the pursuit of excellence and the pursuit of slappery coming together to form one perfect
2: moment. You've got... Coach Casmeric and his group of all-business consummate professionals, and then you've got Uncle Roca and the Junkyard Dogs. And if Pitt had rolled this
3: game, the moment would have been legendary, but not as quite. But the fact that UCF was able to come out and use that giant, throbbing, veiny motivation to put themselves into the semis over one of the teams that they've admitted, you know, they have a little chip on their shoulder about after losing that game in the finals in 2013. It's a storybook moment. Storybook filled with drawings of dicks.
2: Ask yourself this when you're laying in bed tonight. Had Roca not drawn pictures of dicks, would UCF have upset Pitt in the quarters?
3: You know, the world will never know, and we're lucky for that because we got to find out what happened when he did. And it was a
2: magical, magical moment. What is going to happen in 2016? Only time will tell. We will be there to cover the slappy moments and some of the real stuff that's going to happen uh, also. Yeah, why not? As always, crazy stories, wild times, tips, anything like that you want to share with us, please do so at SinTheFields.com. Or sin the fields at altiworld.com. We always appreciate you taking the time to listen, Pat. We have a we have a history of, of getting drunk at at tournaments and singing "Oddlang's Eye" for no reason at all, and or,
3: or just like the like the like the smallest hint of a reason. It's like <laughs> someone's like, "Hey, I found this penny and it was heads up."
2: For all <laughs> the <Clinton's
3: be. laughs>
2: somebody made a clutch shot in beer pong. Should all? <laughs> well, well, uh, well, I'm glad to live in a world where it finally fits.
3: <laughs> For Tad Whistle, I'm Patrick Stegemiller. It's been rich. It's been compelling. It's been a great year. We're going to play you out here with some out of context, vaguely appropriate, but not really, Moments from this year that we had to cut out of the podcast that we thought were just too good to not share with you in some way, shape, or form. It has been, and at least in our hearts, forever will be. Sin the fields. I think that's how you get AIDS. <laughs> we, can, we just can't say
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> what did we decide was going to win? IOC recognition. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was twelve minutes of fucking nonsense. <laughs> We
3: can't use all of that. <laughs> what
2: do you what what do you think is too fucked up? Boy, I would love to keep the AIDS thing. <laughs>